Hey, what's up, guys? This is the Hip Hop Entrepreneurs Podcast. It is your host, Matt Young, here. I have my co host with me, Resonance. Skrr! And today, we have an amazing guest on our show. Her name is Naomi Cat. She is a hip hop artist based out of LA in California. She flew all the way across the country to Philadelphia here just to spend time with us just to record in a resonance studio. So what we're gonna be talking about today is we're gonna talk about her background, her experience, uh, flying across the country, how she developed as an artist, and just having a good time. So let's get into this. Today, we have Naomi Cat with he- with us here. Naomi, how are you? What is up? What's up? I'm doing so fine. We want to ask you, for us, for the audience, how did you get started in music? What's your background in it? Um, so I've been writing stuff for like a cool minute. Um, but I was always kind of just like, I don't know. I had other stuff going on. I was uh, going to animation and visual effects. So like I was busy and caught up with that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, all in general, I always wanted to be an artist. Like I always wanted to put myself out there. Um, but it didn't start till like last year where I had like hit rock bottom and I... I was losing all the things that I liked doing, like drawing, illustrating, designing. I was really losing myself. And I think like I was so in like in such a deep hole that I had to find something to kind of get me out of what I was feeling. And I was writing music Um, and I already had things written down for like a cool minute. They're just sitting there collecting dust. Mm -hmm. And then eventually through this year, I started doing more of what I wanted. I was doing modeling. I was meeting artists, um, mostly music artists I was meeting. And a lot of them that I would like, you know, come across with, um, they would read my stuff and they would tell me like, you should do like music. Why don't you do it? Um, but I didn't have that confidence in me where like I would hear myself in the mic. And how old were you when, uh, when that was happening? I was around like 21. It's like, but, um, I was always kind of like low key writing stuff like in high school but it was never mm-hmm. like nothing serious it was just more like okay like but um over time it kind of started I started practicing more on the skill and I started getting more comfortable mm-hmm. um and that's when I decided like I I already had I was already building a self image um Naomi Cat was already with me way back since high school mm-hmm. and um were you posting stuff on SoundCloud? No, but it was more of like my persona, I feel like Naomi Cat is a personality. Is a personality. A she's a character and she's mainly the she's the reason why I come out so confident. Um so yeah, I I guess when I started writing music and um you know I I was like, okay, I already have like a some image, I already have something and I started getting really comfortable with the mic and I started to you know, get used to like hearing myself and my voice. And I've tried, um, res helped me out a lot, like, you know, Mm. improving myself. So that's when I decided like, yeah, I want to do this. Like I, as the further I was getting in it, the more I was actually enjoying it. And the more it felt like this could be Mm. like my path of. So you and res have been talking for how long? Like, Damn, I think six months, five months. It's whenever you reached out to me. Uh, it's yeah. whenever you reached out to me on uh, from the Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was a crazy story. Yeah. How you guys met? You found him from a Spotify playlist. Yeah, hunted him down, messaged him on Instagram. Yeah, and then said, "Hey, I want to work with you." You guys worked together, and then yep. you flew across the country to meet him. 
Yep. I remember because I was like, um, I was trying, this was when I was already starting to write more music. So I was using beats, like other people's beats to like, you know, get an inspiration. Mm -hmm. And his beat came across and I really liked it. Natty Light, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I like this beat. And I like, you know, searched up his uh, music and I started hearing his music. And I'm like, I wonder if he has an Instagram. I found him on Instagram. I hit him up. And I think that same day we FaceTimed, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, because, you know, you were at the time, like, I I didn't have many people hitting me up that were very serious about it as you were coming to me. So, you know, I saw that as an an opportunity to link, not with with just another person, you know, across the United States, which is a value in and of itself, but um, someone who really does seem that they are in it for bigger reasons than the money. So, you know, I had to, I had to match a name to the face, honestly. It's crazy how that came to be. Like, I just think it's so random. I remember that. I was on that FaceTime call. Oh, yeah. And I had met you too. Yeah, I remember that. So it was, it just goes on from there. Like, it was crazy. I was like, I'm going to hunt this guy down. So I so found him. How many, how many years have you been in the hip hop scene then? You said uh, you were 21. Your friend said you should get into music. How long has it been? Because I don't know how old you are. How well, long has it been since hip-hop, then? Hip-hop, hip-hop regardless, has always been. I've jumped around with so many genres. I love rock. Um, Did I, you start in rock? No, I never. Like, music, like, producing music-wise, no. But I always Wait, you're did. a music producer? No, like, <laughs> I meant, like, making music. It was, mm-hmm. um, I just liked all genres, like, rock, especially because of my mom. My mom likes mm-hmm. all that stuff. But hip-hop was always there. Um, I did always think, like, I would joke around and be like, imagine if I become a rapper, but mm-hmm. you know, deep down in, I was like, nah, like I'm become the best part of becoming a music artist is that you could really loosen yourself. Like you can bring one, your own sound and two, your own character, your own personality. I think mm-hmm. that's my favorite part of it. Like you get to be someone that you're not all the time. And I feel like, um, I feel like hip hop was always an influence for me since i mean high school but then again like i said i was listening to other genres and all that stuff mm. like i enjoy all kinds of well, music yeah rez your uh your background is not hip-hop not at all um matter of fact my background is rock and Metal. classical music yeah but mainly rock mm. um so what is it like black sabbath oh iron maiden 100 percent mm-hmm. um i loved acdc and Actually, I found out she loved ACDC as well in her rock phase. I'll be honest. I can't do the dude's voice. Pierces my ears. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good imitation. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I dabble. But yeah, I started in um, rock and it was an easy transition into hip hop when obviously, you know, when it started becoming popular to like rock, I mean, mm-hmm. like hip hop, it was easier for me too. But when I found this rapper called Wale, I started seeing some commonalities between what I liked in rock, as in the words that he said, the realness that he spoke, and the stories that he told, um, you know, with the Iron Maiden songs that I held so dearly at the time. So, you know, I think we both think in the same wavelength in that regard because we were able to bridge the energy. In the end, it's just music. So I think this is a really good pivot point here because what we really want to talk about is you coming across the country working in the studio together, putting songs together. So you guys have this commonality in the uh, the history behind you and how you got into music, the genres that influenced you. 
so what has it been like working together, Naomi, from your from your perspective? It's been easy breezy. He, I tell him something and he knows exactly what the hell I'm talking. Sometimes it, he doesn't even let me finish my sentences. I'll be like, oh, can you like, yes, I got it's it. He, he got it. <laughs> like he, I even told him the other day, did we just like mentally communicate? Yeah, like, you know, yeah, so he, that's what I like. It makes me, it makes my job easier because, um, from my previous experience with other engineers and producers, mm-hmm. um, it's not what I'm finding. Like uh, the f- when I first started and I really fir- like took the first step, um, it was it was frustrating because I thought like okay, like I would envision something, I would hear myself, and I would even like recite my raps and stuff, and I'd be like okay, like it, this is how I want it to sound. Mm-hmm. But when I would work with the with one of them, they just would make me sound like awful. I even thought like, fuck, like maybe I'm not made for this shit. But then when I started working with this guy and I started hearing like how the outcome comes out, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. He's an expert, honestly. The, and I know this is really, uh, your first insight into it because you haven't lived with him, but every single day, day in, day out, just, Endless hours of that computer looking up different ways to, uh, put music together, to engineer songs, to, I, I mean, I remember you told me this and I, I still don't understand what it means. Side chaining a kick to the 808. I have no idea what that means, but every time you say it, I'm like, wow, he it's knows like, what he's talking about. Bro, so it's like an industry meme. Um, basically it's a beginner mistake. Side chain is like if you play a sound and since the kick drum is, it's, it's also a bass note. But then there's also the bass. If those two are, if the same ones are playing, you still want to hear both. So whenever the kick plays, it'll drop down the volume of the bass so you can hear the kick. Otherwise, they would mud out each other. So it's a rookie mistake. A lot of people don't do it. So I just started joking with my cousin. Like, I bet he doesn't sidechain his 808s. And, you know, I can't explain half the shit I say with my cousin, but. I feel you. I actually do understand that because I used to put music together more when I was uh, when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So I, I do actually know the effect that you're talking about. Did not know how to fix it. Oh, okay. it, was, hmm. it was a little tricky, honestly. But he is he is very educated on what he does, and that's that makes it a lot easier for for the artists because a lot of these engineers they don't know what the fuck they're well, doing. Yeah, when you're just starting out, right? You probably you're like. Okay, well, I'm just starting out. I need to work with professionals so that I can get to a professional level. But you're just starting out, so you're working with other people who are just starting out, and then it's just a bunch of people like trying to figure it out all together, all at once. You know, it's well. I think the bigger picture here, to be honest with you, is all about trust. She comes into the studio and she trusts that I'm going to give her a sound, and I trust myself that I'm going to try the hardest possible to be able to to reach that sound that she wants. Now, in the end of the day, if the results aren't exactly where they need to be, I'm still satisfied if I tried my hardest. Um, and I know, you know, it's it's very hard for you, like in Cali, like everybody's claiming that they're a professional, but sometimes they might not, they might not give you the professional experience they're looking for. Um, so I, I just try to, you know, good business attracts good relationships. Have you ever worked with someone in Cali who... I don't know, said they were a full-time whatever, full-time like engineer, full-time producer, and you work with them and they're just awful? Um, not a full-time producer, or but like a side thing? they kind of just acted like they knew they were do- what they were doing. So it was just like, because uh, now I'm looking back at, you know, like when I started making mm-hmm. music, a lot of that crap sounds like shit. 
Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, some of these guys, like some people, like they love to hype themselves up. They'd be like, yeah, I could, you know, this going to be a hit. Like, I could do whatever. And then you hear it and you're just like, yeah. yeah the, the, maybe not. The work, the work effort is, is, explains for itself. Like, you yeah. know, some of these uh, engineers, I'm, I was telling Russ the other day, some of these engineers, especially a lot in L.A. Like, I love L.A. That's where I'm from. But I noticed that a lot of producers, music producers that are out of state, that are out of Cali, are the most passionate ones with producing music and engineering. Because in L.A., it's so overly hyped. Everyone wants to be in L.A. Everyone, you know, mm-hmm. everyone suddenly wants to become a music producer, a music engineer. Because that's where they blow up. You know, so it's like, but it's not like, it's not hard work. It's it's people who just one day just woke up and... We're like, okay, let's do this because, you know, there's a lot of people that are upcoming. and That's something we talk about a lot. Rez and I are always about pick a side. No matter what you're doing, pick a side. If you live in the middle, you're never going to be happy because you're, uh, you're caught between two choices. You're always going to have the worst of both things because you never committed to one. You know, that's just, it's how it goes. If you're going to be a music producer, live it, breathe it, wake up, sleep. All you do, breathe music producing, it's... That's what you do, man, you know? And I think getting to that point, because when you started, you were in a in a frat house dorm room, you know, on a it laptop. Was disgusting. On a laptop, which was the most disgusting part. Um, it, it, to see where I came from, it's just so humbling to see that I'm sitting right here right now with equipment that I never thought I would be able to see in person. And I just thought, or from what I was told also, you know, the impressions that I was given was, oh, you know, this is just for those professionals out there, you know, who, you know, who go to college for it. Like, you know, they get, like, it's it's one out of a million chance that they'll be able to do it, but it's a bigger chance if you work your hardest for it. But it's not just the schooling education, right? Like, if your impression before was that the big-time music producers are people who go to school for it, I don't look school might give you the technical knowledge, but unless you come to love that knowledge that you get into school, you won't commit to it. You won't have that work ethic that's required to follow through with all the ups and downs and shit like that. And I know you didn't have to go to school to be a rapper. You just happened to want to, and you liked some part of the process. Um, what part of the process specifically do you like though? It's literally the outcome. It's just how, how you sound after. Like, especially because when I rap my verses by myself, like no studio, no nothing, I'm like, God, this just sounds like trash. Like, why does my voice not sound like I want it to? And then when I'm at the studio and I'm like, we're starting to piece everything together, it's just like, whoa, like you, you're shocked that that's you. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's my favorite part is hearing, like listening to the outcome and being like, damn, like you really, you piece this all together. So it's it's by far the most satisfying. It's part. magic. It's it's making our it's I mean, it's magic if you're passionate about it, right? And this is I think what you're saying with people who, you know, LA or wherever who aren't actually about the craft. I don't think people who aren't about it see beauty in it. I think you have to really love it to appreciate it in its full worth. You know? Because if you put out a cool song and you're like, yeah, I sound dope, but you know, whatever. It's like, I, I, I don't know. What do you, do you see what I'm trying to get at? Well, look, like you were talking well earlier, explained. you were talking earlier about 
the stigma of being a rapper, right? Quote unquote. Well, I'm, I'm just going to talk my shit. There's people like Jake Paul. There's people like these famous YouTubers who are using their platform to make music that isn't necessarily as highly thought out. So they're kind of ruining the image of being a rapper and distancing it from the true art that it is of self-expression. I mean, it's, it's a beauty, but I think it should definitely be treated with respect. Um, now, in regard to what you were saying, bouncing off of that, um, if you're about it, you would know it because mm-hmm. you would do it at your lowest. I always like to put examples to things because I, I think a lot of people have big concepts in mind and then don't understand how they apply in real life. When, when I think of someone who's about it would appreciate it a lot more, I think of the way you and your cousin OG Rich Boy talk about music, talk about the industry, talk about the people who are in it. There's a deeper level of caring about what's going on, about what goes into it. And the details that you notice are things that I would never notice. The people in it are people I've never heard of. People making moves that I wouldn't go out of my way to find out about. You know, it's, it's a deeper level. It really is. Like, I can tell you dedicate your life to it. I don't. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, you do dedicate your life to it, to be honest with you. In a different way. Yeah. Exactly. In a different way. Whereas I would do, you know, I would do some research into the industry and stuff to see how I can approach clients that I work with in a better way, appealing to their own self-interest of, you know, liking how they sound, you know, how can I make you sound better? That kind of stuff. But also what does sounding better sound like? It also comes along with, um, my care of the long term of the music industry because my kids are going to be listening to music and I would rather that music make them grow up and to be to be a better person rather than you know not yeah rather than growing up in the worst people I would hate that I would hate that and I feel like music has the power to destroy and also to create Naomi, you were talking, I remember uh, you were on the phone recently with someone talking about art classes at a school what was uh? What was you were very passionate about this, getting more people involved in art in general. What can, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um. So, uh, I have a teacher that I'm still contact with. Um, he's mm. like a father figure to me, and um, we uh, he's been he's amazing. He's always been very supportive. He always really cared passionately. Be, passionately about art and he was that kind of teacher that tried to to give us give us that passion you know like to express ourselves to create art it doesn't matter whether it's perfect or not and he is currently owning like a small gallery in uh, Lingwood where all you know all these artists from our city put their work and you know well they'll do like events and stuff and we are basically um we're trying to Get more kids involved in classes. Exactly. Like get more, uh, get people more involved with art. Did I hear you say your school doesn't offer art classes or what was that? It does not offer music classes. Um, so right now there's, uh, schools all in general, they don't mm-hmm. really put importance in art classes. Um, and as I was talking about this with, um, my teacher, the problem is that a lot of, a lot of these schools fun things and what I believe is the wrong things. Um, you believe the wrong things? No, I think they like fun on the wrong things. Oh, they fun the wrong, okay. Yeah, you believe like, they fun the wrong um, things. I got They you. care more about, you know, f- putting money on football teams, soccer teams, mm-hmm. you know, 
and less on more of the creative stuff. Because I feel like, um, you know, teenagers are going through their, their minds are still fresh. They're still sponges. They can still observe a lot of knowledge. It's, they're still in that, in that time where they can avoid being ignorant. They can avoid, you know, being such human beings as they go into the adulthood. And I was telling my teacher, like, I think art is important. I think, um, I think we should be given that those classes should, um, should be available in schools where like a student, what you don't know what a lot of students are going through. Like That's you true. don't know if they're going through shit at home, they're getting bullied. They feel alone. They don't have friends. So Imagine if they go to a, a class where they feel otherwise, where they feel like here is my safe zone. Here I can loosen my mind, you know, forget about. I know that that was my case when I was in high school. I would ditch my classes and go to his class. He had a huge class, an art class. And all he wanted was at least do art, do something like, you know, don't so just. I, I have a couple of thoughts on this. The first of which is, do you think it's art or do you think it's the teacher? Because like you're saying, it's the teacher who you keep up with, not the subject necessarily. No. Um, well, what we're, what I'm trying to say is right now, uh, me and the teacher, we're trying to get people involved. We're trying to kind of let the district know that art is important and it should mm-hmm. be, it should be funded. There was a time where, um, our teacher was, you know, taking money out of his pocket, paying for, for classes. And, you know, a lot of teachers do that. And especially teachers who really love their job. And, you know, most of these school districts, they don't care. They don't care. And no matter what they say, no matter how many parent conferences they put, they don't care about the education system, about the students. They don't care about their mental health. They don't care about none of that stuff. They just want the kids to pass and graduate and get out of here. So here's, here's another thought that I have about this, because this is, also a podcast about entrepreneurship. When you look at where the funding is going for these schools and you think about, okay, they're not funding art programs, they are funding football programs. You have to like it's money at the end of the day. The football programs are making them money. California is one of the um not one of the the most NFL players come out of California. So there's a reason why that state specifically invests in that kind of program because they see a lot back out of it taxes wise. Um, are there two NFL teams, the Oakland Raiders and the San Diego Chargers? So that, that state makes a lot of money from football. When you talk about funding, they're seeing an ROI there. How do you think you could get an ROI out of investing in art? Cause I mean, I, I get the human based approach. I get that like kids need it and that it would feel good and, you know, make them better people. But where does the money come from? So that's what we're trying to figure out. We're going to try to figure out how we can, um, fund money. And right now, the importance for us is, um, kind of making that gallery, you know, more like everyone knows about, you know, we're trying to get artists from the city, you know, to, you know, show us their art, show us what they got. So that way, you know, the district, the school districts can see how important it is, you know, because once we go into adulthood, mm-hmm. we stop expressing ourselves. We stop feeling empathy for other people. We, we kind of grow, you know, over time, we just mm-hmm. grow cold stone. And I think when we have art, no matter in what forms, it would, it would be nice to step outside and you see a nice, uh, mural painted, like a wall painted, you know, and f- having that, like, um, what was I telling Mr. Huesca the other day? Um, for example, kindergarten classes. 
when kids walk into kindergarten classes, what do you see? A lot of colors, words, you know, images, keeps that, you know, that creative. Um, Is it, can you tie it back to, to money though and ROI? Like why should, like I, I, I do get the human-based approach, but can you tie it back to where the ROI comes from? Well, we don't, we're, we're trying to figure that out. And like, I, yeah, you don't have to have an answer. I mean, it's a, it's a hard question. Like I said, I honestly don't care about making money. I care about like spreading that point, like putting that point across that the school, we do not have to take not one cent out of our freaking pockets. They need to realize that it's important to fund our classes for mm-hmm. students who, it doesn't even matter if they pursue that career. A lot of people don't support artists, don't support art because they say that you can't make money off of it. But it does make a difference to like, you know, let a student express themselves. You don't know what the fuck they're going through at home. And art, art, whether it's music, whether it's dance, whether it's art, it's something that, you know, it's, it's a, it's such a positive feeling for a few, a human being to have, you know, like, for example, you, when you're making music, what does it make you feel? You feel good when you come up with, you know, a whole I just beat. feel the music. And I think, <laughs> I think that that itself is beautiful. Exactly. So like, you know, we don't, you know, it's not like we're telling, you know, students like mm-hmm. pursue art and art is the most important thing, but it's, it's something expressive. And I, I think that. we I humans lack that. We lack that so much. And I didn't realize that until I started getting older that human beings, people, adults, they don't feel empathy for no one. They don't feel, they don't feel for you. They, they don't know well, how to console. And I, I would argue you find what you look for in the world that if you believe that you will see it everywhere. If you believe the opposite, you will see it everywhere. Life is a game about what you want, you know? And I mean, that's why we're all here. You wouldn't be on the hip hop entrepreneurs podcast if you weren't going out and doing what you want because you see the road there. Huge move, by the way. Yeah. People told you not to, but you still did. This is, this is the end of the, (laughs) this is the end of the podcast. This is a cool note to wrap up on. I'm very glad that we got to have you on the show, Naomi Cat. Thank you so much. I feel honored. Thank you to my co-host, Resonant. Screw, screw. My name is Matt. Let's do some social plugs. Naomi, where can they find you on social? Instagram, Twitter. That's it. Same tag? Instagram. What's your handle? What's your handle? It's Naomi Cat with an I-T-S-N-A-O-M-I-K-A-T-T. Remember, it's not cat with a C. Cat with a K. Yeah, get that right. Yes, because they spell my name with a C A T. No, it's K A T T. All right, and then we got Resonant over here. Your boy Res. It's at R E Z O N E N T on Instagram, on Twitter, Resonant Entertainment on YouTube. And we got Ari Soichin on Facebook. Oh, can you bleep that part out, please? I don't care. It was a joke. It, was, it didn't. It didn't play very well, but yeah, right. tough crowd. And my name is Matt Young. My Instagram is Matt M A T T dot M dot Young. He said that's so aggressive. I know. Young. <laughs> I want you to know. All right. So this has been the Hip Hop Entrepreneur, Entrepreneurs Podcast, episode number one. Thank you for tuning in. We, we are out. peacing out. Out, bitch. Bye. Out.